Hello and welcome to the Gladstonesland podcast brought to you by the National Trust for Scotland. Episode 14, the last one. Hello and welcome back to the Gladstones Land podcast. Here we are again. I'm Thomas. I'm Kate. I'm Anna. And we're we're here again recording in the the Gladstones Land cellar. Firstly, listeners, I must apologize for our absence from the airwaves. I know I said at the end of the last episode that that was going to be the penultimate episode. And of this season, and that is the case. But I'm sorry that we've we've taken a a while to to get this one together. There's been a lot going on. We've all at, been very very busy, uh, and it's sort of run away with us a little bit. There's a lot going on at Gladstone's Land in the summer, and indeed, there's a lot going on in, in Edinburgh this mm. month. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we've got Anna back on to to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, and how Gladstone's Land is working with the, the the Edinburgh Festival. So what's what have we got on at uh, what have we got on at Gladstone's Land at the moment? Yes, well until the eighth of September we are um, working with a theatre company called Gridiron, uh, who are doing some site specific theatre called A Game of Death and Chance. And um, it basically takes place around the house and um, so for the duration of August and part of and July and part of September, uh, we've been turned into into a theatre set. Mm-hmm. And um, the play is set between uh, 1603, the, the Union of the Crowns, and 1707, the Union of the Parliaments. And it looks at sort of the socio-political journey, um, but in much more exciting terms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's the personal stories yes. of it, yeah. right? Yeah, it's... so um, in each room there's a sort of different tableau or monologue um, and you get to meet different characters and um, there's also um, a, a wandering minstrel as well. So mm. it's And an exciting. element of chance. So each character mm. can tell you a number of different stories and that's where the chance comes in, is that the audience actually pick what story um, by selecting an item or throwing a dice or picking a card they they choose the story that's really cool i think it's been observed a couple of times already on this podcast that the the personal stories of real people's lives throughout history are what makes history really interesting mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. and what you see in something like this play and and broadly in, in the way that I hope we are able to present things here is that people's lives are are punctuated and interspersed with the the political events and that those two go together particularly somewhere uh, like like Edinburgh where where in Gladstone's land they would have been really at the center mm. of some of the really important uh, great dramas of the age so, I think the yeah. political events are interesting in themselves, but to see how it affects the people who lived there and you know how it changed their lives, I think mm-hmm. is is equally, if, if not more, interesting and easy, more easily identifiable to to the everyday listener or reader. So there you go, everybody. Mm-hmm. If um, that's on until the eighth of September, did you say? Indeed, so yeah. if you do hear this before. Uh, September the 8th and you're in Edinburgh then do do come along and see a game of death and chance mm-hmm. at Gladstone's Land I think that would be really interesting 
Um, today, in this in this episode, we th- this this is the last episode of our of our series. We are planning to come back for a second series, and that will pick up after a a summer break in a couple of months. Um, but today, we're going to just have a little bit of a retrospective. We're going to perhaps look back at some of the things that we talked about and then answer a couple of specific questions that various listeners have 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 given us and then uh and if we're lucky uh there's we've got a little a little quiz later on as well uh that's if everyone um uh, if everyone is, is is keen enough so so there we go um so much enthusiasm Thomas we've <laughs> We've got the fringe on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Kate. You've got some other things going on in the fringe as well, haven't you? Yes, I am so tired at the moment. Um, so um, I, I'm involved in. Well, was involved in two other shows. Um, so one of those actually finished on Sunday. Yes, yes. The day ch- before yesterday. The day before yesterday. <laughs> this is how tired I am. Um, which was a sort of interactive spy adventure around the streets of Edinburgh. It was a bit like an escape room outdoors, um, and it was based on the works of John Buchan. That was called Stand Fast. It was very good. It was loads of fun, and I came and did it with some of the volunteers. Uh, And then I'm also directing A Comedy of Errors for Sea Theatre, so after work this evening I have to belt over there to go and check they're all alright. Shakespeare in the garden in the rain. In the rain, <laughs> and then do a Q&A with a large bunch of French students, Ooh. which is going to be an interesting evening. Um, Theatre was what brought you to Edinburgh in the first place, is that right? Y- y- yeah, so I was working um, in Yorkshire, um, and I wasn't feeling very fulfilled with my job and I came up and worked the fringe last year remembered how much I loved Edinburgh how much I loved theatre um, and essentially took the decision there and then to move to Edinburgh so I went home I packed moved up to Edinburgh um, essentially with a week's worth of clothes and my bike and just decided that I was gonna come here and find a job and I was so lucky I walked into the job here within about a week and a half of moving here um, so yeah it was a, a wonderfully silly thing to do but worked out Fortuitously, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, fortuitously for us, at least. Incredibly so, yeah. Um, I actually remember saying, "Can you start tomorrow?" <laughs> I was like, "Yes, yes, yes." <laughs> so, so that's the fringe. I mean, it's it's a really exciting time for Edinburgh in general. I was just thinking as I walked up here that actually it gives us a, a brief impression of how busy it would have been in the 1630s when everybody was crowded onto the Royal Mile all the time. Mm. And the energy as well. There is something that comes with the fringe, all of this this energy and enthusiasm and people on the streets. And it really does, although, you know, in many ways it is very crowded, um, it does... It, yeah, it does give a sense of that really bustling city that you don't get mm. sometimes at the rest of the, the rest of the year. There you go. That so that's the fringe. Um, we've got uh, there. We've got some interesting things going on uh, or happening in Gladstone's Land over the next few months. Mm-hmm. Is that we've got right? Quite a jam-packed schedule. Yeah. Um, so from uh, from the end of the play so from when we reopen uh, as normal on the 10th of September um, we're going to start doing some um, basically Saturday afternoon activities and um, so everything from um, having your face painted like a Georgian 
um, to um, trying some uh, 17th century food, um, trying out some Jacobite secret codes, uh, uh, loads Georgian of loads quilt making, of, yes, loads of stuff. Um, we've also a continuation of our lecture series. Um, so we've got one on the suffragettes um, in Scotland, the suffragette movement in Scotland, the first Thursday of September, which I think is the 5th. Um, and um, that continues through until December um, with you doing one mm. um, on the Knights of St. John, which is very exciting. Yes, I know. Lucky them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then um, Kate is organising a murder mystery. Yes, in November we are doing a murder mystery in the house, which should be a lot of fun. Um, it's uh, one of those things where you come along, things will happen, there will be a murder, and then you have to work out who did it. Should be good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've got all of it, all, all sorts of brilliant. exciting things. Lots um, going on, up. that's mm. what we like to hear. And um, so this is a, probably a good opportunity in the in this last episode of the series to have a look back over some of the previous episodes some of the topics mm-hmm. that we've covered i think we've um we've done quite a lot actually uh, not yeah absolutely blow, uh, blow, blow <laughs> being trumpet, modest. what i mean by that is that um there's it's a it's a really jam-packed period isn't it this the the, the mm-hmm. period of history covered by uh, Gladstone's land? I hadn't quite appreciated at the beginning of of this this project how how tumultuous the seventeenth century had been for for Edinburgh mm-hmm. um, or or not not the 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 sort of early modern Renaissance period from as what what I was what what we've been able to do quite well I think is cover. So the whole arc of history from Mary Queen of Scots, we talked a little bit about the 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 union of of crowns with James the Sixth, and then we've had the the prayer book crisis, the civil war, the Jacobites, and then sort of into the Enlightenment period, and we've managed to touch on all of those issues and in in amongst that we've done what was really the main purpose of the podcast talking about lots of really exciting aspects of the social history the Mm. way that people lived at that time um and i've learned a lot i don't know about you kate knew everything already (laughs) Um, that is not in any way true (laughs) but but i think um i feel like i've learned a lot of religious history That sounds like a veiled insult. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but no, it's been brilliant to to talk about costume and uh, and um, food and drink and um, toilets and and all these <laughs> all these things. Um, no, so I've I've enjoyed it very much. Yeah, very much so. Um, we we do have. We do have plans to to continue. Don't mm-hmm. we? we have this yep. is this is the end of the first series, and we're going to have a little break. Um, and when we come back in the autumn, we're going to be tackling a few more topics. So, what can people look forward to in the next season? 
Right. Well, you actually mentioned food and drink. We haven't really dealt with those in any very thorough way. So that's definitely going to be one of the episodes coming up. Um, We are putting together a lecture series that's going to run between the property here. Well, obviously, we're running a lecture series here, but it's going to it's going to expand out to some of the other properties around Edinburgh. And that's going to focus on hidden histories. So we'll definitely be doing an episode on that. Controversial aspects of uh, history in Edinburgh particularly Um, hopefully we'll be able to expand on that as well so the one that we've got planned at the moment for Gladstone's land is on prostitution and sex work in Edinburgh in the 17th and 18th centuries Um, and we'll be looking at those slightly more um, sort of slightly more Mm. trade topics that sounds great and we're also planning to to take the podcast out out to other properties. Other properties. So we'll definitely be visiting the Georgian House um, and talking to them and seeing how that links up with Gladstone's land. Um, but that is to be the rest is to be arranged. But to hopefully be, we'll be taking be it decided. on tour to some extent. Well, um, that all sounds exciting, very exciting, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can enjoy the quiz. With the uh, a very exciting feature, the quiz. Um, this is actually lifted in its entirety from the Horrible Histories book on Edinburgh. Uh, Horrible Histories was how I got into history in the first place, reading the slimy oh, Stuarts, love horrible histories. terrible Tudors, and so I thought this was quite appropriate. And indeed, there are a couple of questions in here that relate to some of the things that we. Not necessarily things we've talked about on the podcast, but things that are mentioned in the tour. So, without further ado, way this is going to work, it's just a first to the buzzer, like university <laughs> challenge. Okay, so um, when Anna gets really competitive, you have to. <laughs> you actually, that's a good. That's a good point. You should probably have a a, a, a particular exclamation. Are you trying to embarrass us? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so anyway, just say. Um, <laughs> it doesn't just slap the table anyway okay. we'll um, we'll get there uh so here we go question one in the 1650s john nickel wrote at this time there was brought to the nation a wonderful thing called what it was kept in Canongate, and you had to pay three pence to see it what was it was it a excalibur was it b a two-headed man or c a camel kate Camel. It was a big bang. It was. I was very excited. <laughs> that's uh, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. How did you know it was a camel? Um, I I did, didn't know entirely, but I, I did know that exotic animals were really popular in the 17th century, mm, and it was quite a trade in sort of showing them off. The, the 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 answer says a camel was a rare sight in Edinburgh. To keep it company, the camel had a little baboon. <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, one point to Kate. Uh, question two. In the 1700s, the law said that women could not wear what on their heads? Was it A, hats, B, shawls, or C? <laughs> uh, the answer is shawls, Thomas. Um, it's part of the... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think I think Anna got that right. So um, <laughs> it's just part of uh, the legislation against Highland dress. Um, mm. So um, 
yeah there was lots of things banned in the in the 1800s including uh, shawls including shawls worn over the head it says here the punishment for wearing a shawl over your head was a fine of five pounds and to have the shawl taken off you which is quite a big deal because Ooh. fabric was very expensive well, there you go uh that's one point to anna <laughs> In 1865, Edinburgh's Theatre Royal caught fire. The stage manager called the fireman for help, but the fireman didn't come. Why not? Was he A, deaf, B, dead, or C, he thought it was a joke? Anna? Uh, he thought it was a joke, I believe. Oh, let's see. Oh, that is correct. The workers in the theatre often shouted fire just to annoy fireman Simon. <laughs> This time, Syme ignored the cries that were for real. The theatre burnt to the ground and six people died. A new theatre was built on the spot in 1866. It burnt down in 1875. A new theatre was built on the spot in 1876. It burnt down in 1884. A new theatre was built on the spot. It also burnt down in 1946. Well, <laughs> did you? I just tell you what I learnt. Um, this is my good theatre fact. Um, so... Footlights, the reason that they're called footlights, obviously they are at your feet, and but um, originally they would have been on a um, like a long board and they were actually raised um, from sort of the, the machine room under the stage and they would come up, and that's why you have the lights going up as well when the show starts because they, they literally rise. The footlights, oh, that's interesting. How interesting. I suppose theatres must have been notoriously bad for burning down. Well, I mean, they they used yeah. candles, obviously, to light them, mm -hmm. but also for special effects, and then you had really rowdy audiences. So I imagine things catching fire with a lot of set and costumes and, and people packed in, was it was fairly easy. day-to-day -day yeah. This is a bonus question. Do you know um, the first production to be lit with electric light? No. I know the first... Theatre was in the Czech Republic. I don't know what the first Ooh. production was. This um, may be a crossed wires fact then. The answer that I know is it was in 1888, the opening night of Gilbert and Sullivan's Patience oh, at the Savoy <laughs> at the Savoy Theatre. So um, so this was later, but it was the complete, ele like complete electric theatre. The right. whole building was... Okay. Um, so that was that was a point to Anna. So it's currently two one to Anna. You'll have to catch up, Kate. Um, question four: John Cheesley shot a judge and was hanged in Edinburgh's Grass Market. His body was stolen from the scaffold and found years later. How did they know it was Cheesley? A. He was hanged with the murder pistol round his neck. It was still on the corpse. B. He was in a coffin with a label that said John Cheesley, or C, a ghost leapt out and said, I am John... Kate? I feel like it has to be A. That's <laughs> I feel right, like my yes. process of elimination, it has to be A. That's right. Um, I wish it had been the ghost. I mean, I would have liked for it to be the ghost. It says here, first the executioner chopped off the Cheesley hand that had pulled the trigger, then Cheesley was hanged with the pistol round his neck. His body should have been taken away to the hospital to be cut up by the surgeons, but criminals hated the thought of being chopped to pieces after death, so they thought they'd get to heaven in bits. So Cheesley's friends stole his corpse and buried it under the floor of a house in Dalry Park. In 1965, it was oh, found right. with the pistol still round his neck. Ooh. How interesting. There you go. 
gruesome discovery. They reattached the hand. It's, uh, I'm not sure the hand was found, because uh, that was chopped off. It's probably taken home as a souvenir or something. Yeah. There's a... Uh, um, Yes, I'm not sure I'd like a souvenir of that. No, but, but here when Charles II was, uh, Charles II, Charles I was executed, everyone took loads and loads of souvenirs home with handkerchiefs dipped in blood and things like that. That's because he was a martyr. But it happened with loads of, it was, it was a lucky charm. Ah, okay. Um, so with any executions, um, people used to people used to do that. They'd take scraps of clothing or um, anything that they could, they could get. Um, there you go. And it was, a, it was apparently lucky to have a bit of Person. Right, that's two all. Well done. Um, <laughs> in uh, in 1785, the famous Italian balloonist Lunardi took off from Edinburgh to fly across the Firth of Forth. He landed near Ceres in Fife. The people of Ceres were a bit upset when he landed. Was it A, because he landed on the church and wrecked the roof? B, he turned out to be human and they thought he was an angel? Or C, he refused to give the series children a ride? Anna? Uh, I think it's they thought he was an angel. Uh, uh, let's see. That's absolutely correct. The people of Ceres had never seen a balloon before, so when it drifted towards them, they started praying to it. So, well done. Three points to Anna. Um, question six. Major Weir was potty about praying. Then, in 1670, at the age of 76, he became simply potty, and they said he was a witch. What did the people of Edinburgh do to him? A. They gave him a hot cup of tea with whiskey and cared for him till he was better. B. They chained him to a wall in the Tollbooth prison and hoped he'd get better. Or C. They had him strangled... I think that was Anna. Oh, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I think we did it at the same time. To be fair, uh, I think I, I think we both I think we both hit at the same time. I will I will say that was it. That was a okay. Uh, what's the answer? See, yeah. They had him strangled and burned as a witch. I'm really, isn't Major Weir the really dodgy? He was the one the incest, yeah, the incest bestiality. Yeah. Interesting choice for a kids' book. I think, I think they glossed over that. Quite well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He announced to his congregation that he had committed bestiality. And yeah, and, and there incest. was some dodgy dealings with his sister. Uh, oh. And um, they didn't really know what to do about it. And eventually, they tried him as a witch. It does say um, he lived with his sister, Grizzle, in a building just off the grass market. Um, she was also tried, wasn't she? Yeah. Yes. And found guilty, I think. Yeah. Mm. It says um, the, the major was strangled and burned by the road to Leith. The next day, his sister suffered the same horrible fate. So, there you go. Right. Stones three from Gladstone. They did. They did manage to to gloss over all the nasty bits. Yeah, they did. Story. I'm impressed, actually. Who who got that point? Um, I think it's half, half each. Point. Yeah. So it's three and a half to two and a half. Yes. Okay. Question seven. Sir Walter Scott held a party to welcome King George the Fourth to Edinburgh in 1822. King George gave his drinking glass to Sir Walter as a present. What happened to the glass? It. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, I'll 
you know do, it? No, because I'm not sure. I'm not, I have an idea, but I'm not sure. You do your, you what's, do your options. No, what's your idea? I was going to say it'll have ended up, because he had loads and loads, and he collected loads and loads of memorabilia, so it'll have ended up on display in his house when I was good. Do you know the answer? No. no. Um, this is the point where Jeremy Paxman on University Challenge would say, you lose five <laughs> points. Um, the, the, you're sort of right. He did have, he had lots of memorabilia, but um, what, what happened with this particular one is he put it in his pocket and then he later sat on it. Um, oh, hilarious. The... the um, what does it say here? Sir Walter tucked the glass into a coat pocket and took it home. But a friend was waiting to say hello, and Sir Walter forgot about the glass. He, it slipped through a hole in the pocket and ended up in his coat tail. When he sat down, he crushed the grass. That sounds painful. So, there you go. Um, but, uh, good, 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 along the right lines, because he had a big collection of, of memorabilia. Which you can still see today. Is Abbotsford a national trust? It's not. It's no, not. it's a private, privately uh, um, owned trust. Um, but very well then, very interesting. Then, listeners, you mustn't go there. <laughs> um, so, no points for that. Question eight. Greyfriars uh, Cemetery was famous for body snatchers who dug up the bodies and sold them to doctors. When was the last case of a body being dug up? Oh, I feel like Cosy would know this. <laughs> yeah, they're up. A... April 2004, B, November 1904, or June 1804. Kate. I'm going 1904. Mm. Nope. Oh. 2004. That's right, yeah. You're kidding me! Two young Scots kicked in the door to the tomb of the judge, Sir George Mackenzie. They found a coffin the with, a, with his mummified body. One of the youths hacked off the head. They were caught... And jailed for no, no, and faced the jail sentence for twenty years. In fact, they got off with community service. They had to work without pay to keep parts of Edinburgh tidy. Which parts? The graveyards, of course. Excellent. There you go. Two thousand and four. Yeah. Oh. I. What I was going to say was that I knew that in the late twentieth century, the graveyard at um, O'Cannon. This is. That's this Grey is Greyfriars. Canongate Kirk was restored in the late 20th century and a lot of the graves were moved about. Um, and I know that because I heard a horrible story somewhere that they found a lot of grey... They, they excavated a lot of the coffins and found that they had scratch marks on the inside from people who'd been buried alive. That's oh. not true. No? I'm sure that's not. Like, one, I would believe, but more but than lots, one? Yeah. Like... It didn't it happen? It makes a good story though, doesn't it? I like a good urban legend. Didn't it happen quite a lot? Because it was very hard to tell whether people. Yeah, because were dead. they'd often would lay out bodies for a while, a long while, um, and didn't that they? That was the that purpose was, of weights, that was why they had weights, why they to left leave them to make sure. And certainly, if you were if you had to be buried quickly, like at sea, they one of the traditions um, is that they would stitch them into these shrouds almost and they would always put the last stitch through the nose because that is such a delicate part yeah, because it's to check that. that someone's actually dead um cozy um, has been doing some research on um on sort of body snatching and death practices and things like that for um our halloween event and um she was saying a german doctor invented the nipple clamp just for that reason um so there's there's right. an interesting I mean, fact I mean, 
In terms of fear of being buried alive, again, I got this from Cosey's research, uh, but um, it really developed in the Victorian period. Yeah. Um, so prior to that point, there wasn't quite the same fear of it that there was as medicine improved. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's what I, I knew. There was a big fear of it in the 19th century, but you don't think it was... I mean, I'm willing to, I'm willing to believe they found a coffin in that okay. state. I'm not willing to but, believe but they there found are lots. lots. Okay. <laughs> so, um, fine. Fair enough. It's um, um, rubbish story to us. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be proved wrong. If any listeners want to send in something to the uh, no, no, the no. contrary, you're quite right. Um, no points. Uh, you'd, sorry, you don't get a point That's because I can't even remember the questions. Yeah, so there you <laughs> We've go. gone there so you go. far down the line. Question nine: In 1861, young James MacIver lived in some ramshackle flats called Paisley Close. On the 24th of November that year, they fell down and buried James. What did he shout to the young to the men who were? Oh, it's heave me up, lads! I'm no dead yet. In my worst Scottish accent, <laughs> not that's, even in tenth, was That's that's points. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm impressed you remember that exact still phrase. still inscribed over Paisley's Coast, though. I was like, um, I know the gist of what he shouted. They, um, he shouted, Heave a war, lads, I'm no dead yet. Um, which we heard about in episode three, Gardy Lou. <laughs> so, uh, well done. Um, that's. Do you remember how many points you had? Four and a half to two and a half. You're going to have to do pretty well to make up more two points in the last question. Question, but I am you, going we'll to see, We'll see, we'll uh, see. In Canongate, in 1867, a man was making fireworks. A spark started a fire and the building burst into flames. One man was called Ballantyne, was a truly great hero. What was brilliantly brave Ballantyne's job? Was he A, a children's author? B, a teacher, or C, an out-of-work Father Christmas. What year is this? 1867. 1867. It's unlikely to be a Father Christmas. I'm going to go for a children's author. Correct. Uh, It says, uh, and I should remember everybody, this is in the Horrible Histories book, obvious really, anyone who writes books for children is a hero. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. So at the end of that, that's uh, four and a half to three and a half. Oh dear. You should write to York University and send them back your PhD. University of York. Ah. York (laughs) University's in uh, Canada. I think. uh, (laughs) I apologise. Sorry, sorry, Thomas, I shouldn't (laughs) stop you. No, no, it doesn't matter. Right. We love a bit of pedantry at Gladstone's Edge. We do. Good. Good. Right, we're going to take another short break, and then when we get back, we will uh, talk about the, uh, the, the book list. Hello, and welcome back to the Gladstone's Land podcast. One of the things that we we tried to do at the beginning, having a, uh, a your emails uh, mm-hmm. section, and we've we've enjoyed receiving some emails from from listeners throughout the the series. One of the things that we often get asked, both in those emails and then in in general, is is people often ask for book recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, they say, "What book can I read for that particular episode?" But also, in in general, people ask that. Um, of tour guides and that sort of thing. What 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 can I 
what can I read? So what we thought we would do is um, talk a little bit in this this last episode about some of our favourite books, some of the books that have uh, informed us as we've been preparing this this podcast series. Um, and what I'm going to do yeah, is is post a, a fuller list, a sort of a longer book list in the show notes to this episode. So there you go. Um, Kate, are there any uh, any particular books that you've read while you've been while we're working on this project that you would recommend? Not necessarily directly related to podcasts, but we've talked quite a lot about fashion and costume mm-hmm. um, over the the episodes. Um, and I think the best reference book I can recommend on that, if you want a really good overview of you know a significant part of history of fashion, is any of the books by John Peacock. Um, so these are just a great visual resource. Um, so they are lots and lots of pictures taken from paintings and other original sources put together um, and it gives you a really good sense of how fashion changed over time. Um, and he does some that are specific to male or female clothes and some that are just like sort of big long overviews of many centuries together. And they are, if, if you're just getting started and you're interested in what people are wearing, um, it's an absolutely fantastic resource. John Peacock. John Peacock. Um, the... Uh... The, the the classic, I suppose, one volume history of Edinburgh is is the is the Michael Fry book mm, of Edinburgh. That's, that's brilliant. Um, I, and I've been I, I I read it before a while ago, but I've been reading it again while we've been doing this, um, and that's very good, giving you a, an overview of the city, particularly if you like poetry and literary allusions and things like that. He talks a lot about, um, he talks a lot, quotes a lot of poets and authors and things. So it's a very nice cultural history. Um, in addition, as as Anna said, there are a couple of really good books about some of the the more celebrated grisly stories, aren't there? There are some, there are some good books that talk about people like Burke and Hare and uh, Deacon Brodie and some of these people that we talked about in Martin's episode. Um, for a more general overview of the history of Scotland, this is probably something that people may have read, but we should we recommend it here, the Neil Oliver History of Scotland. President of the National Trust for Scotland. <laughs> exactly. And, and actually, um, a book that had been sitting on my shelf for years and I just read it over the summer and, and thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. So I uh, would recommend that. Um, for we've, as I, as I said earlier, we talked a lot about um, some of the ecclesiastical history of Scotland on this uh, on this podcast, um, perhaps more than we should have done, but um, no, absolutely no, not. Absolutely not. The um, you might notice a death though. The there might, might be less in the second season. But a really great book on the ecclesial history of Scotland is Gordon Donaldson's *The Faith of the Scots*. Um, which I would recommend to anyone. That's It's more, if you like, the social history of religion. It's talking about individuals, personal piety, mm-hmm. um, and the, episode, the chapters in that about the Reformation and so on would be of real relevance, so I recommend that. But anything, in fact, written by Gordon Donaldson would be good. Um, other than that... We've got we had a few recommendations from various people who had spoken on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, 
In episode three, we spoke to David Hamill, and he talked a lot at the end about Tom Devine's book on the Highland Clearances. Um, the book is actually called The Scottish Clearances, because I think he says that it wasn't just the Highlands, mm. it was parts of the Lowlands as well. But um, Tom Devine was one of the people that David Hamill wanted to bring to the dinner party, so we'll plug that book. Um, in episode four, we spoke to Nicole Ridgely and about Mary Queen of Scots, and the book that she recommended was Jenny Wormold's biography of Mary Queen of Scots, uh, which is a very, very good one. But there are a number, you can read all sorts of biographies of, of Mary Queen of Scots, mm, so there's an almost there's <laughs> inexhaustible list there. Um, and we had a uh, we had a recommendation from Rory about uh, the Jacobites, which I will just pull up here. He recommended a book called A New History of the 45 Rebellion by Jacqueline Riding, uh, which he said was a really good sort of swashbuckling, uh, <laughs> uh, ha- uh, half a swashbuckling narrative, but half a sort of an updated, fresh look at some of the myths and that sort of thing. And he said there was a really good first chapter about the Jacobites in general and why people uh, supported Jacobitism and so on. Um, so those are those are some of those. I will put a full list uh, of the the books that we've all mm-hmm. been reading, uh, the books that have contributed to this podcast on on the show notes. Um, of course. We we should also uh, mention that um, as soon as it hits the shelves next year, um, everybody should go out and buy Jim Slip's Gender and Gentry. Uh, they absolutely should, yes. Um, it doesn't have a publication date yet, but it should be next year. Will it be... Um, you do have a chapter currently. Well, I just published. Just published as of a week ago um, in a book on... Um, sort of the history of uniform through Bloomsbury but that is mm. very very expensive it's a, an academic text so I'm not going to recommend anyone rushes out and buys that but we'll, we'll... poultry 70 pounds Kate 74 pounds 74 sorry yeah. do you get a free copy I do it is do. winging its way to me now but your one your one volume will that yes. be more that accessible? will be it, there's going to be a paperback edition which will be somewhere in the region of 10 to 15 pounds brilliant and uh, if anybody comes into Gladstone's land and uh, with their copy, Kate will sign it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, no sure. Doubt. No doubt. Hold a book signing, Kate. I should. Oh, we could, we could have a book We could have a book signing. That would you, be very exciting. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Um, actually, one last recommendation, and I really do suggest this one. Um, it's called Scotland: The Autobiography. Um, this is an, an edited volume produced by uh, a Rosemary Goring, and it's actually it's a it's a book of primary sources, um, but that's a very boring way of saying that it's a it's a it's an edited collection of first-hand accounts from people throughout Scottish history. So it's got some really ancient stuff, uh, and it's got things like the Declaration of Armed Growth. Um, and it's got some people's diaries from the Renaissance all the way through to some 20th century 
um, e- entries. I-, I think Billy Connolly presumably is is in there. Things like that. So first hand accounts of of real people's impressions of Scottish history throughout the the whole arc. Um, that really, I think, chimes in with a theme that we've been upholding in this uh, this podcast the, the the voice of of the of the real person so uh, oh. so everybody should should go out and, and get that one scotland the autobiography We're back again. Anna has had to go upstairs to deal with some uh, uh, impending crisis, so she will not be able to do this last segment. Um, so we're just here to to sign off at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. We we talked about the uh, the plan for the next next series, um, but indeed, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I will not be able to be a part of that, which um, we're very disappointed about. Well, um, no, Thomas has been an absolutely uh, the driving force behind getting this podcast up and running, um, and we are so thankful for all the work that he's done on it. Um, unfortunately, he is moving to Cambridge, which is a very long way away. Um, he has promised he's coming back to visit, um, but. Holly will be taking over as co-host in his place and he will be making a guest appearance in the next series. So there you go. I think um, it's going to be a great second series. Um, Holly, you'll remember from the uh, from our second episode, she was the one who we followed around mm-hmm. uh, the building and then she came back for the fashion episode. So I hope that Kate and Holly would talk about things other than, than costume. <laughs> I mean, you might get quite a lot of costume, but we promise we will talk about other things as More well. Um, more, uh, more, more corsets and fewer prayer books in the second <laughs> season, I think. Um, Possibly. But there you go. Um, so we just wanted to say thank you very much for listening. We really yes. hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we've we've enjoyed doing it, and uh, and we encourage you to, uh, to well to keep in to touch. Keep in touch. To yeah. email us if you have any questions, uh, and to. Um, Join us again when we open up with the second series. I suppose if there's anything in particular that you would like the uh, the podcast to cover in the second Just series, let us know. do let us know. It is gladstonesland at nts.org.uk. You can drop us an email. And uh, until then, remember that the game of death and chance is on in Gladstone's land until the 8th of September. And you can book online, is that right? You can indeed, through um, the National Trust website, or at the moment you can also book through Ed Fringe. And, um, and, but you should also, wherever you are, you should definitely come and, uh, uh, if you haven't already visited, come and visit Gladstone's Land, um, because it's brilliant. So, there you go. <laughs> Thank and you. And that's, oh, Anna's back. Uh, and that's all I have to say about that. So... Uh, it's goodbye from me, Thomas. And goodbye from me, Kate. And goodbye from me, Anna. And that, listeners, is that. This is, is just a note to apologise for the quality of the recording in this episode. As you will have noticed, we had a problem with the file and so it corrupted the sound, but we've done our very best to clear it up and I hope it was not too distracting for you. Sorry about that. 
sorry also that this episode uh, has come out later than we hoped. In the last few weeks, I've been moving house, which has delayed our production, but I hope you enjoy the episode nonetheless. I realise that there are now only a few days left to see a game of death and chance at Gladstone's Land. But if you do manage to listen to this before Monday the 9th of September, the last day of the performance, then do go along and see it if you can. It is an excellent play and a really great way to see the property. Uh, There's only one more notice, I think, which is to say that there is a bonus episode shortly following this one, which is a wider look at the Kingdom of Scotland in the period which we've been discussing on this podcast, designed to give all you listeners a bit of context for our discussions, which have concentrated mainly on Edinburgh. So keep a lookout for that. Also, as I said in the show, the full list of books which we have used to prepare this podcast series is included in the show notes to this episode. I think that's all there is to say, other than again to say thank you all very much for listening. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have you here with us on the Gladstone's Land podcast. I'm sure Kate and Holly would love to hear from you, so do send them a message on the email address gladstonesland.nts.org.uk. You've been listening to the Gladstones Land podcast with me, Thomas Ware, and my co-host, Kate Stevenson. We are produced with support from the National Trust for Scotland. Our guest this week was Anna Brierton. Our music is Apollinaris in Clickty by Animani Stabile, performed by the Tudor Consort and licensed under Creative Commons. You can find Gladstones Land on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and online. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next series. <laughs>